So probably one of the most famous Christmas movies and scenes in a Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. And some people love Christmas Vacation, some people hate it. Uh, but if you have seen it, I'm sure you remember this scene. For those of you who haven't seen, I'll kind of paint the picture. But Clark Griswold, who is Chevy Chase, has put all kinds of lights all over his house. And so then he gets ready to light his house and he, and he sticks the plugs together and nothing happens. And so then it's him going around and his wife going around and they're checking the plugs and making sure that the cords are all plugged in. And it's just funny, all of these electrical connections, it's like you got a plug and then you've got like a power outlet out of it and a whole bunch of strips and another power outlet. And it's just, it's just covered. It's like an electrician's nightmare going on in the Griswold house. Uh, and then he comes back out again and then he's like, okay, it's going to work this time. And he takes the plug and he sticks it in it and the entire house just lights up like it could probably be seen from outer space and then in the movie the the hallelujah chorus plays hallelujah and it's just this funny scene of this huge light blob on this house and and i and i share that with you today because clark griswold's house like lit up the entire neighborhood and, and the message this morning is titled light in the darkness and and you know you probably have lights on your house inside and outside the sands we have lights outside of our house we have like two wreaths that are lit up and then we have the the porch lights and then we've got two little bitty trees on the porch and then in front of our house is uh, bushes which we put some lights on and so lights are very much a part of our christmas decorations but sometimes when it comes to, tra to traditions we can sometimes get a little bit lost in like, where do these come from? Why, why is light part of the Christmas tradition? And, and you may think, well, it's because, you know, there was the star and the Magi followed the star and that's the light. We make lots of stars, lots of lights. And that's a little bit of it, um, but it's really a bigger picture than that. And so what I want to do is I want us to look a little bit at light and understand this and see where this comes from. So if you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And as you are opening up to Luke chapter 2, um, if you're just joining us uh, this morning or maybe you haven't been at part of River Ridge for the last few weeks, we're in this series which is titled um, a, a, Bear, a Very Bright Christmas. Uh, and we're looking at some of the titles for who Jesus is. We looked at Waymaker, we looked at Promise Keeper, and today we're looking at light in the darkness. And so I'm going to read you from Luke chapter 2, uh, and the setting is this. Jesus has already been born, and his uh, mother and father bring him to the temple to be dedicated. And there they meet a man named Simeon, who is a prophet. So Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, and he says this prophecy over him. It says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles, <clears throat> For the glory to your people, Israel. So he says that Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. Jesus is a light to the world. And the Old Testament speaks frequently about the Messiah. It speaks about who Jesus will be. Uh, and, and one of the metaphors that's used is he will be a light. Now, before Jesus was born, there was a period which is sometimes called the 400 years of silence or even sometimes called the 400 years of darkness, because between the, the closing of the writing of the book of Malachi and then what we have here with Jesus, there was no significant words from God. It was this period of silence. It was this period of darkness that went on for generations and generations. 
And then John the Baptist comes on the scene and he says, Jesus is coming. And then Jesus comes to our world. And, and Matthew and Luke, the two, those two gospels, are the ones that tell the story that we're kind of mostly familiar with when it comes to the Christmas story. But John also tells the Christmas story, but it, we wouldn't actually title it the Christmas story, but he talks about God coming into the world in the form of Jesus. And that's where I want to start this morning. This is John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, In him, so it's in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skipping down to verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, 2,000 years ago, the light stepped into the darkness in the form of a baby, full of grace and truth. But that baby stepped into a world full of darkness. And if you think about our world right now, our world is full of darkness. And the way that I kind of view it, and maybe you view it the same way, or maybe a little bit differently, but it's like, it's almost like there's two kind of types of darkness. You know, there's universal darkness that everybody experiences. And then there's also kind of a personal darkness that sometimes that we walk in. You know, so when we think about this universal darkness, you know, we see it in just the selfishness of people. People who live for themselves and don't care about anybody else. You know, we see it in unforgiveness as people just live in bitterness and refuse to forgive others. We see it in the negativity of the world around us. You know, we also see it in the world around us in terms of disease and, and sickness and natural disasters and just that, that stuff that happens in our world. But we also see the darkness of the world, the universal darkness, just in the moral decay of society. I mean, you, you look at a TV show today that, that came out in, you know, 2019 or 2020, you look at the content of it, and then you compare that to what was out maybe 20 years ago, and it's gotten so much darker. You compare that to what was put out 50 years ago, and again, it's gotten so much darker. There is a universal darkness, and even, I would say, darkening to our world. And then we also have kind of what we might call personal darkness, and some of the personal darkness that we experience in our lives comes because the universal darkness kind of invades our lives. Uh, but there's also things that are just true of us regardless of what's going on in the world. I mean, you think about, you know, for some, the darkness is that we can't forgive ourselves. Like we may know that God forgives us or the other person, but we, we just can't forgive ourselves. And so we live in that shame and in that guilt. You know, or maybe you feel lonely and isolated and just separated from people and you're living in that darkness. Or sometimes there's sin in our lives that we just can't get past and we do it again and again and again and we live in the darkness of our perpetual sin. You know, and then for some of us, the darkness, it's like what lurks inside of us. Lust and greed and depression and comparison, and those things lurk within us, and there's just a darkness to it. But here's the great news. 2,000 years ago, the light, full of grace 
and truth stepped into our dark world to bring light and to bring life. And that's the great news. That is available to us. But here's the struggle, is how do we put this truth that we know, that light and life stepped into our world, and that light and life is available to us now, but how do we live in that light? Like, I think there's a desire to say, yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. I want to live in God's light. But how does that come to a reality in our lives? And so here's what we're going to do this morning, is we're going to answer three questions relating how do we put kind of the light of the world into our own lives. We're going to answer three questions. What does it mean to live in the light? Why do we want to live in the light? And then how do we go about living in the light in a very practical sort of way? So here's the first question. What does it mean to live in the light? What does it mean to live in the light? This is John chapter 8. I will read you a verse. And this is what Jesus says about himself. This is John 8, 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, that's a verse that you may have heard. Probably a lot of you have heard that, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You go, okay, that sounds familiar. Um, but have you ever thought about the context of where this verse falls? Because it's very fascinating. So this is the gospel writer John. He's putting together the life of Jesus, kind of painting a picture of who Jesus is and picking vignettes and stories from his life. And so what comes right before that is the story of the woman who's caught in adultery. So this woman is caught in the act of adultery. She's brought before Jesus. The, the religious leaders are like, we want to stone her, we want to stone her. What should we do? What would you do? And then Jesus says this great line. He says, he who is without sin, you cast the first stone. He who has never sinned, you go ahead and throw that first stone. And then everybody walked away. And then Jesus looks at the woman and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. That's the story that comes before. And then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Do you see the picture that John is painting for us as we understand Jesus is this, is that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He was the light to this woman. He was full of grace, and he was full of truth. He said, I don't condemn you, but leave your life of sin. That's the, the truth that he spoke to her. And so when we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, it is that he is truth to us, and that he is grace to us. And so in this sentence, he says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So to live in the light of Jesus, that's the question we're answering. What does it mean to live in the light? To live in the light of Jesus means to live as Jesus lived. Whoever follows me, whoever lives the way that Jesus lived, we walk in light. Let me share with you an example of living in the light compared to living in the darkness that, um, that John writes in a letter that he wrote. This is 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. It says this. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother 
is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. So Jesus, or sorry, Jesus, this is John writing, but John makes it very clear. He says, if you love your brother, you're walking in the light. If you hate your brother, you are walking in darkness. So what does it mean to live in the light? Or what does it mean to walk in darkness? To live in the light means that we follow the commands of God. It means that we live the way that Jesus lived. It means that we look at what the writers of the, of the letters in the New Testament say, and we say, this is the way to live. When we live the way the Bible says, that is walking in the light. And the thing is that, that God can bring light to every area of our lives. Whatever area of your life you can think of, whether it be marriage or finances or emotions or dealing with the past or dealing with your kids, the, the light can come into that area. And here's the great thing about light and darkness is that light always overcomes darkness. Did you get that? Light always overcomes darkness. Jesus, or uh, John said at the beginning of the gospel, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Because darkness can't overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. Let me give you a kind of a, an analogy or an illustration. I want you to imagine that there's two rooms that are next to each other. And there's a door between the two rooms. And in this room, it is light. There's just tons of light. Just all the fluorescent lights and light bulbs. It's just massively light, light, light. It's like the Griswold house times 10. All of this light in this room, okay? Totally light. And then in this room, it's totally dark. No windows, no lights, no emergency exits, no nothing. It's just 100% pitch black. And there's a door between these two rooms. And if you open up that door, the light floods from the light room to the dark room. And the bigger the door, the more light that floods from the light room into the dark room. And here's the thing is, the light overcomes the darkness. But when that door is opened, does the room that's lit up, does the light room become any less dark? It doesn't, because the light always overcomes the darkness, never the other way around. Here's the second question. Why live in the light? Why live in the light? So the, the metaphor of light didn't start with Jesus, even though he is the light of the world. But that metaphor existed before Jesus stepped into our world. And the book of Isaiah plays on this idea of light a lot. So I want to read you a verse or a few verses from the book of Isaiah. And at Christmas time, the verse that's probably most familiar to us from the book of Isaiah is Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. So that's a verse that we hear at Christmas time a lot. That's Isaiah 9, 6. Now, I want to go back up. And remember, Isaiah, if you know this, was written as a scroll. So it wasn't like chapter and verse. It was just one continuous. So we go back a little bit in the book of Isaiah, in what we would call chapter 8, verse 22. And it says this. It says, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. Does that sound like our world? Gloom and anguish and thick darkness? That's a great description of our world. 
And it continues on. This is chapter 9, verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. You see, what happens is when light comes into the darkness, it talks about joy, increased its joy. They rejoice, the joy of the harvest. They are glad. When light comes into our world, that is where we have joy. And we talk about this from time to time, but, but joy is not dependent on circumstances. Happiness is dependent on circumstances, but joy isn't. And so the light shines and it brings us joy that doesn't depend on the circumstances or even the darkness in the world around us. Here's another reason about why we want to live in the light. And it has to do with hope. And, and Stacey and I have been talking about light a little bit. And so this is sort of a conversation that she and I had. And, and like it was sort of her like aha moment that she shared with me. But she was, she was talking about this. And we were talking about this. That when, you know, we're in the midst of COVID and, and the vaccine is, is coming. You know, people say, hey, it's going to, you know, people start to get it. And, you know, in, in, in three months or, or six months. And, and people are saying there's a light at the end of the tunnel. As we were talking about that, we realized, you know, is the light at the end of the tunnel really a vaccine? And, and, and I'm going to take the vaccine. I'm excited about that. I'm not an anti-vax or anything like that. But the, the point is, like, is, is the light at the end of the tunnel really a vaccine? Or is the light at the end of the tunnel the hope of Jesus? Because when it comes to life, you know, we may... Have a vaccine in, in three months or six months, or maybe, but it might take three years or it might take longer than that. We don't really know. But if we're holding on to a vaccine as our hope, we're in some trouble. Because the light at the end of the tunnel is not a vaccine. The light at the end of the tunnel is not getting married. The light at the end of the tunnel is not having children. The light at the end of the tunnel is not graduating from high school or college. The light at the end of the tunnel is not falling in love. The light at the end of the tunnel is not any of these things that we might put our hope in. The light at the end of the tunnel is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Then here's the last question. How do I live in the light? How do I live in the light? And so turn over your Bibles and we're going to spend the last part of our time in some verses in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Or if you're from southern West Virginia, it's Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. So this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul writes this. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. So that's what we want. We want to walk as children of the light. How do we do that? That's what it, Paul is going to explain to us next. He says this. He says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So he talks about the fruit of the light. We talk about sometimes the fruit of the Spirit. It's another letter that, <clears throat> that Paul wrote. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That those are the things that are of the light. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we talk about what does it mean to walk in the light, 
It means that we walk in such a way that we choose those things. Walking in the light is a daily choice of things that we do. So we choose patience instead of flying off the handle. We choose to forgive instead of holding on to bitterness. We choose to treat people kindly even though they don't treat us that way. We choose self-control and delayed gratification instead of I want it right now. That is choosing to walk in the light. You know, and it's interesting how much of living in the light, especially when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, has to do with how we interact with other people. Because when we live in darkness, think about this just in terms of a visual, but when we live in darkness, the only thing that we can see, if there's just a little bit of light even there, is we can only see and be aware of ourselves, right? When we live in darkness, we don't see people who are around us. But when we live in the light, then we see other people. And we can love other people and care for other people, encourage other people and challenge other people. When we live in the light, we see other people. When we live in the darkness, it's just all about ourselves. Then it says this in verse 11. It says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. <clears throat> so I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like the message up to this point has been very encouraging. Uh, I'm going to turn a little bit and make this into a bit of a challenging message for us. Um, so if you just want to be encouraged, then turn it off. But if you want some challenge, I want to challenge you with what this says. So it says in here uh, several times, it, it talks about this word expose. But expose them. When anything is exposed to the light. <clears throat> I want to talk about what does it mean to expose our darkness to the light. And I want to start with a little bit of an illustration. About three months ago, our dryer started to make some squeaky sounds. And it was a really high-pitched squeak. Like, it was like super high. And I couldn't always hear it, but our kids are like, what is that sound? And it's the dryer, it's just this high-pitched squeak. And so I'm like, okay, I need to fix it. It's starting to attract the dogs in the neighborhood. And, and so... I do what every good amateur uh, home improvement guy does. As I look on YouTube, I'm like, oh, okay, I found the dryer. I can do this. So I, I, I pull the dryer out, and I look behind the dryer. And this is what I see behind the dryer. I actually took a picture, and you can see it here. This is what is behind my dryer. When I expose the light to the darkness behind my dryer, this is what we've got. So we've got a, um, a yogurt cup here. Uh, I don't know how long that was been there. There's a chapstick. Don't think somebody would be using that. There's all kinds of mouse poop or rat poop or something back there, a gum wrapper. And of course, back there, there's trash. But of course, there's uh, a number of socks, which, you know, those are all the socks that somehow the dryer ate up and spit out behind it. Um, but here's the thing, is that when we expose things to the light, we're going to see some things that are nasty, some things that are gross, some things that we maybe don't want to deal with. Like, I kind of want to just take that dryer and just shove it back against the wall and ignore all that stuff. But instead, I got in there, the light was exposing, and I picked it up and threw it out and sorted through. It was nasty. But here's the point, is there are things in your life that need to be exposed from the darkness. And you are hiding them or you are covering them up 
because you don't want to expose them to the light, which is the light of Christ. You want to just kind of keep them dark and hidden. Some of you may be familiar with Gollum from Lord of the Rings. And uh, he's this gross little creature. We've got actually a picture of Gollum here. And Gollum hates to be exposed to the light. He doesn't like the sun. He calls the sun the yellow face. He calls the moon white face. Um, and, and there's even one scene where he's whining. He's talking about the sun. It burns. It burns. We hate the sun. We hate the light. And, and he's doing this thing. He just doesn't want to be exposed to the light. There are parts of our lives which are kind of like Gollum. There are parts of our lives where we're like, eh, we hate the sun, we don't want the light. But the fact is that when we expose even those dark places to the light, that God brings peace. And there may be some unrest before that, but God brings peace when we expose that to him. And here's the thing is like, the chances are is you're probably the only one who knows where those really dark areas of your life are. That the people around you, they, they just see the veneer. Even those who are close to you, they may not see it. But you know, and are you going to expose that to the light? Um, going on to verse 15. Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering, you can't finish the story without this. Uh, I didn't really fix the dryer. It still squeaks and now goes thump, thump, thump every time it dries something. But that kind of overshadows the squeaking sound, so it's half fixed or half broken. Verse 15 says this, excuse me, um, verse 14. It says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So all those places that we let the light shine, Christ comes into that area and brings healing to it. Then it says this in verse 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. It says that we are to look carefully, to examine carefully how we walk. And one of the difficult things about living in the light is that the world around us is so dark. And so that's why this call is to, we need to really look carefully and live wisely and examine our lives. And the thing is, what we tend to do is we tend to have a comparison to the world. Like the world is really dark, or the people around us are living in darkness. And we say, well, compared to them, I've got a lot of light. But if we're to take this verse seriously and look carefully at how we walk, looking carefully doesn't mean that we compare ourselves to the people who walk in darkness. It means looking at the life of Jesus and say, how do I live compared to him? Because he's the example to follow. Not, am I better than those people? Do I have more light than those people? It's, how do I compare to Jesus? And there is always more to go. So we can live more in the light. And the more that we walk with Jesus, the more that we follow Jesus, the more that we will become like him in terms of the way that he lived. And that light shines in us. I want to close uh, by speaking to those of you who have maybe walked in darkness for a long time. Or maybe even walked in darkness your whole life. And you're listening this morning and say, you know what? I've never really embraced the light who is Jesus. I have walked my whole life in darkness, never placing my faith in Christ. 
And if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity this morning to place your faith in Christ, to step out of the darkness and into the light that is Christ. And if you've never made that decision in your life to place your faith in Christ, I encourage you to do this this morning. So I'm going to say a prayer, and if this prayer expresses what's on your heart, I encourage you to pray it along with me. Father, I know that I have walked in darkness, that I have lived my life selfishly for me and not for you. And so I now confess that to you and tell you that I want to walk in the light. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins and paid the penalty for my sins and that you rose from the dead. And I now give my life to you that I might walk in the light of life that is you. And then for all of us, Father, we pray that you would help us to walk in the light, that we would leave the darkness, that we'd know that living in the light is where you want us to live. That's where joy and peace and grace and truth dwell. Help us, Lord, to walk in the light, to live in the light, and to expose every dark area of our lives to your light. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.